Hello and welcome to Leanne Ward Nutrition, a podcast where you will find expert advice on all things health and nutrition related. Each week, we will discuss my three niche areas of gut health, emotional eating and sustainable fat loss. My hope for this podcast is to cut through the BS online and show you real, practical and evidence-based messages around nutrition so you can live your best life day in and day out. So sit tight, buckle up, and let's get started on today's podcast. Hi crew, today on the podcast I have a very exciting guest for you. Graham Tomlinson is a UK-based reps level 3 personal trainer and nutrition coach. He is very popular on social media known as The Fitness Chef, where he shows easy and practical evidence-based solutions for nutrition messages which help nearly half a million people worldwide. Graham uses easy nutrition tips for healthy living and weight loss, which are very funny and relatable, and I'm sure at some stage you've stumbled across his brilliant content online. I can't wait for you guys to hear our chat today, which we actually had to break into two podcasts because we were having so much fun busting all of the weight loss myths, which Instagram has just blown up recently. So get ready, guys. This is a super informative and easy to listen to chat. Welcome back to the podcast, Graham. Very excited to have you back on for us. Now, if you guys haven't listened to the first podcast that Graham and I did, please um, go back and find that one because we talked through some awesome concepts. We just went through um, some really things that uh, I guess people find really confusing online with social media. We talked about just dispelling some of the BS things online. We talked about macros and flexible dieting. We talked about calories in and calories out. We mentioned dieting and sugar-free products, the clean eating concept versus just balanced whole foods. We talked about cheat meals and refeeds. And lastly, we talked about alcohol and weight loss and how that can sort of, I guess, be incorporated into um, a lifelong healthy lifestyle if that's something that you want to do without completely blowing out your calorie budget for the uh, the day or the week. Um, so please jump back and listen to that first podcast if you have not listened to it. And welcome back, Graham, to podcast number two. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Um, I'd love to just jump straight in. And I guess the first big concept that I really want to have a chat to you about is really around carbohydrates and insulin. I mean, there's so much that goes online and so many people that say to me, oh, carbohydrates are bad. I can't eat carbs. They're going to make me fat or carbs will instantly spike my insulin levels. What are your sort of thoughts or feelings around this? I'm sure that you get asked the same questions as I do nearly daily. Yes. So I've done quite a considerable amount of posts, um, as you probably have as well discussing carbohydrates and um i guess it, it comes back to you know somebody who is going to claim that carbohydrates are going to make somebody overweight you know in, in that statement in itself are simply not interpreting what they've seen anywhere whether it be research or um, studies or information online they're just not interpreting it in the context because if they did, they would realise that you know carbohydrates in its in themselves is impossible for them to automatically make you fat. What what we're obviously what they're referring to is the spikes in insulin, which is obviously a fat storage hormone. But people are kind of um, running before they can walk in terms of understanding this because yes, insulin is the hormone that stores fat, but it's governed by energy balance. So it's like the calories that you're consuming. Are still going to dictate what's going on in terms of insulin. Um, I think it's an interesting kind of thing that we should touch upon as well is that a lot of people suggest that carbs spike insulin more than any other macronutrient. But actually, you know, I, I remember there's a couple of studies, um, and yes, they are only a couple of studies. Uh, one was done in 1997, um, and it was a guy, Holt, but basically, they were testing insulin secretion in you know high protein foods and high carb foods, and just seeing what they were in the number of subjects. And they found that actually the secretion was the same. I think it was beef and bread were the same. Um, and obviously, beef is primarily um, I think it was like silver side beef or something. So yes, primarily protein with a bit of fat in there, and bread is primarily carbohydrates. But the insulin was the same. Um, so it's kind of like defied everything that the logic of carbs make you fat. And I think fish and rice was the same as well. So we have, I think it was white fish. So we have another high protein, high carb food with the same insulin secretion. This is obviously just one study. And there was another one. Um, I can't remember who 
who did it, but it was whey protein and it was actually a lot higher than a plethora of, you know, high protein, high carb foods. And whey protein is primarily, sorry, primarily protein. So we kind of have have to look at that research and think, well, you know, if we were to present the findings of that to somebody who is trying to sell a keto diet to people, which is basically saying never eat carbohydrates um, and PS, eat loads of fat because that will put you in ketosis despite the fact it's nine calories per gram, um, is, yeah, (laughs) It's, it's, it's quite hard to kind of fathom where this kind of keto concept has or why it's become so big um and again all i can think of is 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 the fact that a lot of people just like the idea that something is going to be miraculous for their for their fat loss and that this you know magical state of ketosis is going to be the thing that makes them lose weight the weight that they've always wanted to lose and you know, it's it's a. It, I often get a lot of comments on my posts when I basically will just display some information about keto and carbohydrates, and you know, try and make it as unbiased as possible, but whilst saying I don't really think keto is much benefit to it. I'll get a lot of comments um, on there criticising me, saying I lost X amount of weight um, on keto, and it's like, well, you lost X amount of weight because you were in a state of calorie deficit but you were following a keto diet um and yeah there's lots of different diets that we have if you think about the general population billions of people not one diet is the same as the other so we're all following our own kind of diet um, that's all that's going on there but the principle is the same for everyone in terms of calorie deficit so i think that the the, the founders of, you know, basically stumbled out of Atkins, didn't it? That kind of diet in the early 2000s, and now it's keto. And it's, um, yeah, it's a good way to make money if you're telling people that there's a magical fat-burning state and that you can demonize a macronutrient so you can just cut them all out, which may create a calorie deficit and may help. Um, fats tend to be a little bit more satiating so eating more fat may reduce somebody's likelihood of eating excess calories um but we're talking about permutations that are not really that scientific here we're just talking about things that might happen and of course what happens is it works for some people it works for others because some people just couldn't hack it and some people could and could have a, a, a calorie deficit maybe they moved more who knows but basically the, the principle of it is well you i'm not sure your opinion on it but i just don't see how it's how insulin is 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 relevant in this way um at all and these kind of two studies that i made reference to i mean if they were presented to somebody who who uh, sold their keto plan what would they say i don't know what they would say they would potentially try and wriggle out of it but say oh that's just two studies which yes it is but you know, it's still evidence that what they're saying is actually incorrect. I 100% agree. And I, I remember when I was first, um, I guess, researching the concept of keto many years ago, um, I was shocked that I was like, why can't, why is your, your level of protein, why do you have to take that into consideration? Surely it's just about eating high fat. You can still eat high protein, but then you just minimize your carbohydrates. And then when I researched it further, I realized that, as you mentioned, proteins also have an effect on your insulin levels. So if you're trying to achieve a state of ketosis from very minimal carbs, if you eat too much protein, that'll actually throw you out of that state of ketosis. And that sort of was the first interesting concept that I came up with. And then when people are like, oh, you, you achieve this magical fat burning state from being in a state of ketosis you also achieve a magical fat burning state from being in a calorie deficit so your body will burn some of your excess fat stores if you're eating in a calorie deficit regardless of whether you're eating carbs fats or protein and I guess as you mentioned we were talking about um, bulletproof coffee um, before we sort of hit record on this podcast and you know people think that they're they're putting butter in their coffee and they're achieving this magical fat burning state no, you're just eating less calories because you're skipping breakfast and you're probably skipping morning tea as well. That's really what it comes back down to is really that that principle of calorie deficit. And I get so many people asking me questions about keto just from a dieting perspective. Like, yes, it does help some people lose weight, but as you mentioned for others, it's just far too hard and far too restrictive to stick to. So it's just another just another principle to help put somebody in a calorie deficit, but it's not a magical um a magical, I guess, 
thing that's going to magically help you lose weight. You're not in a magical fat burning state. You're just overall achieving a calorie deficit because you're eating less throughout the day. Because as you mentioned, perhaps fats are more satiating or, you know, you're skipping meals and you're just having a coffee with some butter in it instead. Yeah. That, that, yeah, you're, you're spot on. It's mental, but you know, when it comes down to it, our explanations are as they are here and yet millions and millions, probably more tens of millions of pounds have been spent on keto diets or books or whatever over the years. And it was actually first, I think it was first brought in to help people with epilepsy, um, my belief. And I don't know how we got to this kind of place. I guess, I guess, you know, 90% of the people that are looking for nutrition advice are probably wanting weight loss because the obesity rates are going up so much that any kind of capitalization of any kind of food system, someone will try and put a twist on it that, yes, that's good for fat loss. And that's probably what's happened here. Um, and it's probably a lot of well-known people within the industry have decided to adopt this style. It's gained a lot of popularity over the last few years, hasn't it? Um, and now there's a kind of cultish mentality with keto almost like the same with veganism although that's kind of more about morality as well it's uh yeah it's dangerous to post about it if you if you don't want to get attacked online but um it's uh again people who are are are, are just misinformed as to why the the weight changes and like you're saying there yeah it's just a calorie deficit and yeah <laughs> it's frustrating but you know we have to continue to kind of um, iron these things out and, and try and reassure people that you know it, it does come down to that calorie deficit at the end of the day it's not down to ketosis mm. and I think the other thing that people again it just comes down to they just don't have as much information is when if you were to start a ketogenic diet you would probably lose three to five kilos in the first week purely from the water weight because every gram of carbohydrate that you eat your body stores three grams of water so if you cut out carbohydrates from your diet you're going to drop water weight like that in the first week but that's not true fat loss so seeing those scale changes you know people think oh I've lost four to five kilos in the first week keto is wonderful I'm going to keep doing it but it's just that they're just not well informed enough to realize that that's not true fat loss your body's just losing some water weight which at the end of the day really means nothing it's not actual true weight loss and it'll come back on again the minute that you start eating carbohydrates and that's not a bad thing your body's storing weight with carbohydrates isn't a negative thing and as you mentioned, the concept of keto, it really did originate from epilepsy and in particular children. There's very good research that if um, drugs don't assist children with epilepsy, that they try a very ketogenic, very high fat, very low carb diet. And it's seen some incredible results for children with epilepsy. And I just don't know how we took that and made it a weight loss fad, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It, it blows my mind to think we, we got there. <laughs> I know. And uh, you're, you're talking about the, the evidence regarding to the, the children with epilepsy. And basically, that's the only positive kind of evidence of the ketogenic diet. I don't know if there's any specific, you know, meta analysis of keto saying it is specifically a very good way or more fat was lost on the ketogenic ketogenic principle as opposed to just you know a calorie deficit inclusive of all macronutrients i don't think that well i haven't come across anything that states that um and that's basically what we need to look at um if we're going to decide or make grand statements like um keto ketogenic dieters kind of make so um there's a really good point you made about the protein as well the fact that that protein almost offsets so they're not in the ketosis and and it's almost like well they've almost filled in the blanks there thinking well no one's just going to eat a diet of fat so we're gonna have to chuck something else in there protein's probably a good one so we'll just we'll fill in the blanks ourselves here and just say that yeah that's fine and it's like yeah <laughs> you probably when you were looking at that were just kind of laughing going how are we in this situation it's unbelievable <laughs> It's, it's very amusing and it's it's almost as amusing as a concept of, I guess, fat burners in general. Like people screenshot me, you know, that people from all around the world and they send me products obviously I've never seen because they're local to the country that they're in, but they're generally around slimming or detoxing products or fat burners. And I guess it just comes back to that concept that people just want that quick fix or they want that magical pill. They don't want to do the hard work. They don't want to regularly increase their step count and regularly exercise and eat whole foods and actually take care of their body. They just want the quick fix. 
But I guess it comes back to just that, just knowing that there is no magical pill out there. And if we, if we knew it, if we found it, we wouldn't have this obesity epidemic like we have in the world today. Yes, you're, you're absolutely spot on. Um, it's it, a lot of it is down to our, our mindset and our, our assumptions and what we, uh, how we kind of, what, how we use our time and what we kind of value as our, our time. And at the moment, taking that time to kind of realize how to, to change our body, we just, we're not prepared to, to do that at the moment. We're too busy watching Netflix or on our phones or doing other things to kind of take the time to kind of realize that actually quite a bit of effort needs to go into it and weight gain you know in most cases has taken years for the weight to go on you know logically to think it's going to go off in four weeks is absurd and I'm sure if we sat down with all individuals in question who were thought that and said listen you know they'd probably say oh actually yes you're probably right and it probably is going to take time um yeah so another another thing about um kind of carbs and we talk about the glycemic index quite a lot and we have so so sometimes you know i see posts put up and someone will will write but what about the glycemic index of that food and what about this and what about that and i kind of think well it's the same kind of principle you know a food may be high gi um or maybe low gi but again, if you're talking about weight loss, it's coming back to that principle of energy. So if you start consuming heaps of low GI foods, but actually you're consuming more calories than you did if you were consuming high GI foods, then it's kind of pointless. Of course, the high GI foods are less likely to satiate you, but satiety, I've always said, is subjective from one individual to the next. Um, so I kind of think that you know we need to kind of, again, not necessarily base our entire weight loss on a principle like GI, just like insulin. It's kind of, it's there as a, a nice guide actually to kind of, you know, educate somebody into foods that actually may be slightly more satiating than others and have more fiber and things like that. Um, but ultimately we need to be aware of the total energy that we're consuming as well. Um, and I think again, that's, that's something that I always get on my posts. It's like, but that's high GI and it's like, so what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're allowed to consume different types of foods. You need to chill out. <laughs> 100% agree. And I think that people almost, I guess, again, lose sight of just nutrition is so complex. And you can eat a high GI food. You're not automatically going to gain weight. Because the thing that people forget is that there are other um, nutrients that also slow down the absorption of food in your body. So if you were to pair a food with some fat, and some protein and some fiber, you are slowing down that digestion of a meal. So again, it comes back to the basic principles of nutrition. Choose a serve of, you know, lean protein, choose some veggies for your fiber. It's going to increase the digestibility and, you know, your body's going to break it down a lot slower. Choose a small serve of healthy fat in that meal. Again, your body is going to absorb it slower. You're going to feel a lot more satiated. Then choose a carbohydrate. And if it's a high GI carb, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, as long as your, your energy balance is in check. And as long as you're eating enough vegetables and you're got a great mix of sort of macronutrients in that meal. And I think people forget about that concept. And I did one, I did a post um, a couple of weeks ago and it was basically talking about um, pre-workout nutrition. You could eat a banana or you could eat, we call them um, lollies here in Australia. I don't know if you guys call them the same thing, just like candy. Yeah, I've, been, I've, I've lived in Australia for a while. It's oh. yeah, like sweet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I did a post talking about, you know, you could eat a banana or you could eat a couple of lollies or a bit of candy. It wouldn't really make a difference if you're using that as a pre-workout source because you want something that's rapidly absorbed, a carbohydrate that's quickly absorbed to get some energy out of that to fuel your workout. And I had people bashing on me for how dare you be a dietitian and promote lollies and there's no nutrients. And I thought, and someone was talking about fiber, but the banana is so high in fiber. And I thought we should be aiming for 30 to 30 grams of fiber a day. A banana might have two to three grams at most. You could definitely make up that fiber throughout other meals as long as they're balanced. And I'm not saying that people should just go and eat bags of lollies or bags of candy. But in the end of the day, if that's, you know, if that person, that individual loves lollies or love, loves candies, and that's what helps them, you know, keeps them on track. If that's that small 20% of their diet, if they use that as a pre-workout nutrition, that's wonderful. And their body's going to use that energy so easily but people just I think it came down to that whole clean eating concept like you can't eat lollies they're terrible there's no nutrients in them and people just forget that sometimes when we eat food it's okay to eat food without you know that's not packed full of nutrients every single time we eat and I guess that 
where we talk about high GI foods, it's okay to have them particularly before a workout because they're going to give us the most maximum amount of energy. It's actually more detrimental to eat foods that are low GI and high in fiber and high in fat before a workout because it's absorbed so slowly and your body can't utilize that energy to to get the best advantage out of your workout. Yeah, absolutely. Can you imagine knocking back some porridge or oats before, you know, playing uh, some sort of sports match? It, you know, you, your performance would definitely be inhibited because you have indigestion. But, you know, you see um, tennis is the one where you always see um, tennis players having, you know, half a banana between games because, like you're saying there, it's rapidly digested, it's, you know, simple sugar. And, yeah, it's, again, applying context to the food and the, those people who are criticizing you for for posting uh, the sweets and the lollies are just not understanding the context that, you know, yes, I'd have these because I'm about to go and do this. But if you're sitting watching a movie at night, um, you may be more mindful to pick something that, yeah, is is maybe not so high GI, um, maybe something that's going to satiate you a little bit more, like some fruit, for example, or whatever. Um, so, yeah, again, I think... People see food these days and they almost, anything that doesn't fit with their narrative at all is almost like, but what about this? But you're doing this, but you're doing this. And it's like, well, actually, I'm not speaking about that at the moment. I'm actually, like you're, you're saying there before you're going to go to the gym or, or play sport or whatever, um, that's, that's what I'm talking about here. But people almost ignore what you're saying because they instantly get triggered by something that they believe um, that doesn't align with what you're kind of saying, but they don't really appreciate the context that you're saying it in. And I think um, that's rife on social media these days. Um, and in some ways, you know, it, even replying to some of these people, it's they'll still find a way to argue back. And it's like you're trying to actually help, but actually you realize, I think I said in the previous podcast, it's very difficult to get someone away from their own kind of belief system that they've kind of had ingrained in them by a couple of people that they follow on, on social media. And it is. And I guess I always, I get a lot of questions from, um, I guess, younger dietitians or new graduate nutritionists and that sort of thing saying, how do you, how do you convince people? And it's not our job to convince people. It's not our job to say to someone, Hey, you're doing this wrong or Hey, there might be a better way. It's our job to give people the information that's available that we know that is the current evidence and the current science at the time and allow them to make the most informed decision. And it's not the decision that we sort of think is right for them, that it's not our job to try and convince them otherwise you know they've got to do what they believe is right for them because you can't ever tell somebody to change they need to they need to want to change for that change to ever be effective and to ever be long term yeah I, I i absolutely agree with you on that one nothing nothing to add you summed it up well yeah <laughs> well i've got a question around um how do you deal with all the questions around detoxes and fat burners because i still i cannot believe that in 2019 i am still talking to people about why they do not need to detox <laughs> yes it's um i'm with you on that one it's 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 i've always thought to myself because a lot of influencers who promote these detoxes and juice diets and things like that they are, they don't have any qualifications. Um, but I always think, I look at the comment threads sometimes on mostly their paid advertisements. Um, so I doubt they're actually doing these things, which probably mean they'll be on the toilet for two days. But anyway, they, they, they basically, I look at the hundreds of comments and so many of them are, why are you promoting this rubbish, blah, 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 blah. People just understanding that it's absolute nonsense. And then I think to myself, why is it still going on? But it's actually what you don't see is the people that aren't commenting there who are actually believing it because they love that influencer and they, they kind of look at it and go, okay, and they probably buy it. It's what we don't see that's worrying. For every person who is commenting saying, this is a load of rubbish, you should be ashamed of yourself for promoting something which is completely unproven and unnecessary because we have working organs that already you know, detox our bodies. Um, for every one person commenting, saying, you know, criticizing what what's going on there, there's probably about five that are buying it <laughs> with with the commission code or whatever, and that's the thing that's really scary. And it's it again comes down to a lack of education along across the general population uh, as to what is required for optimal health. 
a lot of these detoxes um, state in their their kind of mission statement or benefits or uh, whatever you want to call it. They kind of even get mixed up as well. They kind of say, you know, you're gonna have more energy. You're gonna detox your your body. You're gonna lose weight, and it's like, what the hell are you talking about? All of those things are separate kind of entities anyway within the, the whole kind of physiological system that we have. Um, and uh, yeah, in 2019, I just can't believe it. Uh, I actually got into a bit of a. There's a guy. I'm not going to say his name, but last year, uh, I did a post. He's sold quite a lot of books, and it was called the Detox: Lose Seven Pounds in Ten Days. And I just did an infographic with his uh, book, and then a, on the other side, a liver. And it was basically like me just saying, this is pointless because you already have a liver. And uh, he proceeded to make a, a new YouTube series about um, trying to basically, yeah, it was like a 30-minute video. He was trying to call me out on all this kind of stuff, and it was absolutely hilarious. I thought I'd, I didn't share it because I didn't want to give him any kind of um, publicity, but I just thought, this is unbelievable. This is a guy who's made millions of pounds on this. Um, based on utter pseudoscience that he's just kind of made up. Um, so yeah, I don't know how we really we tackle it um, because a lot of nutrition is quite boring, isn't it? When you think about it, it's like you don't need this fancy detox which costs a hundred pounds because you have a working liver and you have kidneys that work and stuff like that. If you to say that to people, they'd be like. Yeah, but look at the look at this. It says that I can lose weight and you know I can have more energy. You know, are you going to give me that? And it's like, <laughs> it's really difficult, isn't it? It's I don't know how we kind of tackle it, but there's there's loads of different things. It doesn't stop at those. You know, you spoke about uh, fat burners and appetite suppressants, those kind of things, which are completely unnecessary and can create disordered eating quite easily. Um, and it's, it's, it's very difficult to kind of stop it because most of it is promoted on social media because there's no regulation. You don't see a TV advert with these things because it would be pulled you know, immediately. Um, but on social media, there's no regulation. They're, they're targeting influencers who are uneducated and who are just looking to monetize their Instagram account, who happen to have a decent physique and who will do anything really for money. And what you're getting is a kind of callous before and after, listen, have this appetite suppressant, and basically you look like this in two weeks. And you're getting people buying it, unfortunately. Um, particularly the companies who are selling this rubbish are targeting these primarily female influencers because they know that they're following um, it's probably you know up in the millions that most of those followers are young girls, teenagers who are very impressionable at that age and very self-conscious about their appearance potentially, and they're kind of preying on that vulnerability to sell a product which is absolutely useless for lots of money, and uh, almost try and create a reliance on that among among people, um, which is unbelievable. It's I got off on a tangent a bit there about detoxes, but you know, it's in 2019. It's very disappointing that we're in a place where that's going on. Um, if anything, that's only a recent thing. You know, these appetite suppressants um, seem to come to prominence, and you'd think over time that the more educated, the more information goes out there. You know, think over time that as a population we would realise that they're absolutely useless. But actually, it seems like there's more and more of these ads surfacing, which is really bad. And it's scary. And as you mentioned, it's, it's the impressionable younger women that are, that they're targeting because I don't know, perhaps they don't know any better or perhaps that they're so, I guess, you know, they, so starstruck by these influences that they follow with millions of followers and yes they have great physiques but a lot of that just comes down to great genetics or if being a social media influencer is their full-time job perhaps they work out twice a day because they can because they have that amount of time so their physique isn't 
realistic to somebody else who has a full-time job or who might potentially go to school all day or who might have children to look after. We just don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And a lot of the, the problem with social media is that paid posts aren't disclosed. You know, if you have a million followers on Instagram, you can get a couple of thousand dollars a post. You know, some very large celebrities, I won't name any names, people with multiple, you know, multiple millions and millions and millions of followers can command a million dollars per post from some of these detox companies. And it's so sad that, you know, a lot of people are realizing it, but it's really sad that a lot of these celebrities have impressionable young women who are following them. And even as you mentioned, like the the rise in appetite suppressants recently, I just think it's such a, it's a heartbreaking concept because why would you want to suppress your appetite? That's your body's natural response in telling you that you're hungry and that you need some fuel. You need some fuel on board. So why would you want to suppress your appetite? I just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's almost like, yeah, what it's doing, suppressing your appetite is demonizing the idea that, you know, it's basically telling people that food it makes you fat. Um, so basically you shouldn't eat food. You should suppress your want of eating food, um, which is uh, criminal really, is really unbelievable. Um, because of course we know if you, man- if you can control the food you- that you eat, you can absolutely uh, not be overweight or you, know, you can achieve the composition that you want. So it's really kind of disheartening to see such influencers, like you said, with with um, A plus genetics, who have built an account on basically posting pictures of the body parts, uh, then giving out, and this is basically what they're giving back to their followers. They're giving this is their advice, and it's um, it's products which are completely useless. And I would actually go as far to say they're more harmful than. Than, than useless because of the psychological um, effects that they could have on some people. I saw something on the news in the UK here um, yesterday, actually, and it was a girl who did, uh, I can't remember what the company was, but it was one of the kind of uh, weight loss teas. And basically she uh, kept getting bombarded with these adverts. She kept, she kept buying them and she got to a place where she was just drinking these teas all day so she would maybe have six or seven and she wouldn't she wouldn't eat food and she was yeah she had disordered eating as a result of it and it got worse and worse and worse it started off with having one of the teas before bed like it says in the packet um and yeah it was just pretty awful to watch and thankfully now you know she's kind of recovered but that was entirely born out of these kind of products that like you're saying, they're kind of trying to get people away from eating food, <laughs> which is the, the the one thing along with water that we require to remain alive. Um, and it's it, when you say it like that, it sounds absolutely preposterous that we are um, buying these products to try and suppress our appetites. Um, it's not. It's it's it is borderline laughable, and I don't think the influencers genuinely care. I just think they. You're saying there, a lot of it is down to their lack of education. They probably don't realise the consequences of what they're doing when they're promoting these things. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's basically conveyance of misinformation and misleading people, mis-selling a product. And I don't know, like in the future, we could get into a, a, a situation where people are taking these companies or these influencers to court because a lot of what they say is simply not true. Um, a lot of what they uh, display on their websites is embellished and cherry picked and um, they're kind of filling in gaps themselves by using buzzwords and it's pretty damaging you look at the marketing it's entirely uh, aimed at young young girls it's entirely aimed at them you know like pink branding and all this kind of stuff Um, and I think that's disgusting It's, it's like I don't know how we get past it I think there needs to, there's a lot of campaigns going on at the moment with some influencers um, who are trying to ban the sale of them on social media. And I think that would be fantastic because I think that's the only place to get sold, really. Because, like I was saying before, if that went on TV, an advert about an appetite suppressant, could you imagine it staying there? I don't think so. I think uh, <laughs> it would be taken down straight away. But 
is because social media has no regulation. It's almost freedom of speech to say whatever you like, um, regardless of the consequences. It's like an ideal place for these companies to kind of sell their product, unfortunately. Yeah, it's scary. And as you mentioned, I don't really know anywhere else besides social media that these products are being sold. And these companies, because there's no regulation, these companies are the the people that work as their sort of marketing agents. They're so... I have multiple, multiple emails and every time I say no to them, they come back and they throw more money at me and I say, no, 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 like I will never ever work with you and they throw more money at me and it's absorbent amounts of money and it's scary because some of these influencers, that's their full-time job and you know they might think that they're doing no harm and they're accepting money because that's their payment and that's their job, but they don't realize the harm and the damage that they're doing to some young people. And we've had cases in Australia where people have ended up with organ failure in the ICU from taking these detoxes and these these teas. And as you mentioned, it can do more harm than good, not just from a like a mental health perspective, but also from the perspective that a lot of these detox teas are laxative teas. So if you're just constantly running to the bathroom, they're constantly, they're just like a natural laxative and they're promoted as natural because they're more of a plant-based laxative, but it's not good for you and it's never going to be good for you. And a lot of the times, as you mentioned, these influencers, they're genetically blessed. They're not getting these results from these detoxes or from these cleansers. And even these websites are using false photos. I've had influencers send, I've had um, my followers send me photos where companies have used my photos that I've put on my own personal account and talked about maybe, um, I don't know, whatever caption that I talked about. And they've stolen my photos and they've put them on my website and they've said that this is my transformation using their products. And I've had to report them and you know, put them up for copyright and all those sorts of things. And so they're, they're not even using actual real testimonials. You know, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And how they get away with it, 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 it blows my mind. Because in any other industry, you would think that health would be so much more tightly regulated. Um, but it's just not. And it's scary what some people can get away with and some people can promote. And these poor young, young girls that are, that are believing it, really. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, it's the problem with social media is that there's no regulation and that so what you get what you get is you know people who are have integrity people who are trying to help people with you know evidence-based information information which is useful provide tools for someone to to aid their life but you'll also get people who are trying to take advantage um for financial gain um whether it be you know the cleanses and things like that so yeah that's an incredible unbelievable that you've had your photos taken and put on there i mean it's just incredible <laughs> it's like there's no shame in what these people are doing um and yeah it's it's a very strange kind of thing uh, but you can see on a lot of the before and afters that these influencers post with their adverts with whoever it is that sometimes you know it's very very easy to see that they just suck their stomach in or you know pull their leggings up or and sometimes I wonder honestly it's so amateurish sometimes I wonder whether they do that on purpose to get more people commenting saying we know that that's fake I sometimes wonder whether they are actually doing that like is that where social media is at I wouldn't put it past people um to be doing that which is unbelievable as well it's uh yeah it, it, it is ridiculous it kind of goes against everything that nutrition is about all these kind of products um you know every time we try and help somebody you know it's you know they're eating real food or they're changing something to their lifestyle these products are just un unwinding out you know just going against everything that that stands for um and that you know they cost so much money as well it's like the the owners of those companies must be like absolutely laughing um so yeah i don't i don't know how they kind of get away with, with it but i don't know the answer as well i think instagram is a, a a platform where or any social media is a platform where you're entitled to sell anything really it's not up to instagram to decide you know, that's rubbish, that's good. They're never going to do that. So I don't know, there's probably not a way that you can stop it surfacing on social media. Um, but yeah, the only thing that we can do is try and raise awareness of why these things are so detrimental without being uh, overly angry in, in the message because that gets away from 
kind of people listening. So trying to be as objective as possible, as calm as possible, and kind of uh, telling people why it's maybe not a good idea to have these things and why it's maybe a better idea to consult an actual dietitian, for example, um, if you want to change something or something's not quite right with your nutrition. Um, and seek people who are actually qualified and have your best interests um, in their mind. 100% agree. And I would just say, again, it comes back down to, I guess, that knowledge. We, we're never going to be able to stop all of the, I guess, BS that we see online, but it comes down to, um, you know, for our listeners being in as informed as they can. And if you were to sort of enlist the help of a professional, again, even we know that, you know, there are online nutrition certificates for a four week course and you can call yourself a nutritionist. You know, it's, it's a very unregulated field. Same with health coaching. So if you're looking to enlist the help of a professional, probably a great place to start is if a professional was to ask you what you wanted to do with your lifestyle and what you thought worked for you and the things that fitted into your lifestyle, they are somebody who at least have your best interests at heart rather than saying, all right, this is what I do. This is my, this is, this is what works and this is what we're going to do. You know, if they are at least asking you and trying to have that individualized approach, at least you know that you're sort of getting something that might at least fit into your lifestyle. And that's probably a great place to start because I get a lot of questions from people saying, how do I know, you know, everybody's got qualifications these days. How do I know whether they're good or whether they're bad? So I guess probably my key take home would be make sure that they're at least taking into consideration your own individual, um, I guess, lifestyle and not just flogging whatever diet or, or style of eating that they 100% believe in. Um, Graham, do you have anything else to add there? Would you would you agree with that or have any other tips where our listeners can, um, I guess, sort out who are great people to follow, who are really evidence-based people to follow? No, I absolutely agree with you. I think you've you've touched on something very important there in ask. So instead of inflicting your belief and your one-fits-all approach, um, we see it quite a lot, unfortunately. But instead of doing that, we are actually getting information from the client or the individual to then come back with what we think the best approach for them is. And that, yeah... That is basically adding value for somebody because we're, we're appreciating their specific situation because everybody's different. Um, so I completely agree with that. Um, in terms of like finding these people now, it's uh, it's it's hard. I think you know there's there's a few, there's lots of great accounts on, for example, we're to go to social media, um, but for somebody who is new to it all and fairly uninformed it's it's hard for them uh, to understand who is probably going to give them the best value compared to somebody else but i think there's so many uh, people selling a meal plan or these specific workouts and it's just a, basically a pdf firing out and it might help some people but um yeah the likelihood is that you're paying a lot of money for something which isn't actually tailor-made for your own specific lifestyle and therefore the chances of you getting the maximum out of it are probably reduced whereas if you were to consult somebody who had a bit more empathy towards your situation um a bit more understanding about your situation there's more chance that you're gonna actually get more out of it and succeed at the end of the day yeah, I agree. That personalized, I guess, approach for anybody is so important because we are all so different and we all come from such different backgrounds. We'd have different jobs, different activity levels, different heights, weights, you know, even the things that we like to eat can be completely different from person to person. So the idea of a one size fits all PDF or, you know, a $20 eating guide, it's clearly, you know, it might give you one or two tips, but you, if you're not getting any results from it, you really should enlist or pay a professional for some personalized advice. It still blows my mind that again, in 2019, we'll pay an electrician to fix our power. We'll pay a mechanic to fix our car. Yet we don't want to pay a nutritionist or a dietitian to write us a personalized meal plan. We're more than happy to download the 1999 PDF online guide that the the influencer with a six pack is selling yet we won't pay somebody to um you know actually with some proper you know four or five years experience in university nutrition training we won't pay someone to have a consultation with them yet we'll happily pay a dentist to fix our teeth or an accountant to do our, our tax <laughs> yeah it, yeah when you put it like that it's it's quite damning isn't it it's absolutely crazy 
Yeah, so that's probably my take-home messages from, I guess, my chat with Graham today is that individual and personalized approach is so important. So if you're listening, guys, and you're not achieving the results that you want and you've tried the $20 online PDF plan and you're just not able to make sense of all of the fluff out there on social media and it's very confusing, enlist the help of a professional because investing in your health will only pay off long-term. And that's probably my biggest take-home. Graham, did you have a a big take-home message for our listeners today? Or if there's one sort of tip that you generally recommend to people as a great starting place, um, what would sort of that tip be? Um, In in terms of starting place, I guess it it depends on on the goal in a way. Um, But I would would agree with you. I think that the problem a lot of people have is that their lack of success over time is based on the fact that they're in this kind of yo-yo cycle and they can't get out of it. Whereas if they'd just gone to the right place with the right advice at the start, it would obviously have saved them years potentially of struggle. Um, sometimes though, I think that people almost need to go through the, the fad diets and all the rubbish to, to come out the other side and realize actually none of that worked. Maybe it's time to, to go with a more kind of evidence-based approach. Um, I think that would be the, 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 the thing. It's it's very difficult, I think, in this day and age to um, expect somebody to almost immediately decide that this is the best approach for them. It's, it's almost like I think they do have to go through something in the past that shapes their future. Um, but I think for anybody who's, who's kind of listening to this podcast and they feel like they're kind of in a place where they just they can't get out of the struggle that they're in, no matter what they do, they can't lose weight or gain weight. Um, I think the, the key is just to sit back because the amount of information that they're likely to absorb, whether it be online, via friends, family, just lo- a bombardment of information which all conflicts, as you know, we've discussed some of it here. I think it's just a case of sitting back and thinking, well, actually, hang on a minute, what is what is the basic principle that I need to follow to achieve the goal that I want and you know if it's weight loss we know it's going to be a calorie deficit how can I integrate that into my life in the most sustainable way if it's weight gain we know it's a calorie surplus how can I start eating more foods or adding to my meals Um, and I think it's basically a case of simplifying it as much as possible and trying trying to walk before we can run and there's loads of of, of intricate details to you know scientific factors with different elements of nutrition. And I think we see we see an interesting caption on Instagram and we think, oh my God, wow, look at that. It's it's incredible. Look at that about bananas or something. I should avoid bananas now because of this. And it's like, you know, we just need to sit back and simplify things as much as possible. Um, that would be my take-home message. It's it's easier said than than done, but if somebody, when they get to a point where they just feel like they just, they, they're so confused, it's unbelievable, sitting back and just asking themselves a few simple questions may lead them to to the, the places where people will help them the most, like a, a good dietitian or, you know, maybe an Instagram account, which is evidence-based, or maybe a program, which is actually fantastic. Um, and that is really my only take-home message is that, trying try to just sit back and calm down and just kind of understand what your actual goal is and take it from there I 100% agree with you and the very first podcast I ever recorded was one that I just did by myself and was called six simple fat loss tips and I got so many messages and emails after that just from the advice in there where my six tips were basically around, are you drinking enough water? Are you getting enough steps? Are you having an even spread of protein throughout the day? Are you reaching your fiber target from vegetables? You know, are you eating um, a small serve of carbohydrate with all of your meals? So you're not craving carbohydrates and, you know, binging on sugar after dinner. They were just the most simple messages that we hear time and time again, and people just forget about them. And the amount of messages that I got from people who were like, I'm not eating, you know, five or six serves of veggies a day. I'm not having my fruit, which is why I potentially crave sugar at 3 p.m. every day. You know, I don't get enough water and I rely too much on coffee. And it was just, it just 
taught me that even though we know so much, we still forget the most simple and basic messages around nutrition. Um, so I think that your, your take-home message is absolutely perfect and so, so important in social media where there is so much noise and people just get so confused and so overwhelmed that they often end up just doing nothing because they, they don't even know where to begin. Exactly. And that's the problem. It, it's the fact when, when we talk about nutrition and the the unbelievable amount of stuff that goes on when we consume food and when we metabolize it and 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 so forth it's like the stuff that we actually need to know that's relevant to our goal and how we measure the success of that is probably something like 0.25 percent of what's actually going on in the background and it's that it's that kind of just yeah it's that kind of um understanding of the basics which is almost like that 0.25 percent and everything else will kind of we almost don't need to worry about that at this stage we just need to focus on that and everything that's going to happen in the background is going to happen anyway um and uh, yeah i absolutely agree with you on that it's it's about keeping things as, as simple as possible and things like um people a, a common one is the starvation mode type thing without going into it too much it's like well, no, there's no starvation mode because, you know, unfortunately, we've seen from studies that people have died of starvation in third world countries um, in you know, prisoners of war have, have lost significant amounts of weight uh, because of severe caloric re- reduction. And it's like if there was a starvation mode, these things wouldn't have happened. And it's basically just a metabolic adaption over time that we haven't managed to keep up with. You know, our calories haven't gone low, low enough or they've gone too low and we were not expending enough energy um, and then they were just not in a calorie deficit. And it's being, being aware of these kind of buzz phrases within the industry, like, you know, a starvation mode and realizing that they just don't exist and it's, it's just not a thing. And just to kind of understand that and try and kind of have peace with the fact that they don't exist and it's not, your, your body's not against you. You just have to understand, you know, what you're doing. We all have diets. Uh, we just have to understand them a little bit better and what we're doing. Um, so, yeah, that, that would basically be my, my take home is just keep things as simple as possible. Yeah, wonderful. And remember just that those foundations of good health, you know, drink enough water, get enough movement in every single day, minimize processed foods and eat a ton of vegetables. And you absolutely cannot go wrong. Like if that's what you're doing. 80 90 percent of the day it doesn't matter about insulin it doesn't matter about keto it doesn't matter about you know what your macro split is for fat or protein if you're doing the basics right and if you get the foundations right you know the rest of it is just like sprinkles on a cake like i like to say like it's it's 80 percent basics and then that extra sort of five ten percent you might get from periodizing your carbohydrates around your training or worrying about the the gi of your your different carbohydrates or the the you know amount of fat that you have per meal it's all it all is is so such a small concept at the end of the day especially if you're not getting the absolute basics and the foundation right first yes absolutely that's the key Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Graham. It was a wonderful chat today, and I'm sure that our listeners got so much out of that. Um, Just in case our listeners missed the first episode, can you tell us where we can find you on Instagram? Because if we're not following you, we definitely should be. So let our listeners know where your Instagram handle is, and if they can email you or if they've got a website that they can check out. Yes. So my Instagram handle is the fitness chef with an underscore at the end. Um, My website is fitnesschef.uk. And um, I've also got a Twitter as well, which is The Fitness Chef, and Facebook is is the same. So hopefully uh, they can find me on there. It'll be, be some useful content there. Wonderful. Thank you much again so much for joining us, Graham. It was, it was an awesome chat. And don't forget to leave us a rating or a review if you enjoyed this podcast today. Thanks, guys, and we will catch you in the next one. Thanks.